Let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another midweek WTF1 podcast. I'm Katie and I'm joined by Tommy and I cannot believe there is just one more race to go of this crazy season. Tommy, how are you mentally preparing yourself for this Abu Dhabi finale? I'm not. I'm okay, terrified. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, yeah, I can't believe it's all come down to this. I'm I'm loving it, but I'm also extremely nervous, worried at like what the outcome's gonna be. And also it's it's hard not to uh worry about the absolute chaos on uh social media and content-wise afterwards. But we shall see. Let's just be happy that we've got this amazing title battle, and I'm sure. You know, every neutral is absolutely buzzing about it because we've waited too long for a finale. Exactly. Yeah, the last time we had the championship go down to the final race of the season was 2016. That was obviously Lewis Hamilton again Five with Nico Rosberg. I know. I kept getting the memories come up on my Facebook and it was like five years ago, Nico Rosberg won the championship. And, you know, spoiler alert, I am a was a Nico Rosberg fan at the time, so I was thrilled. Um, and then it was like, yeah, five years ago, he announced his retirement, which uh, for those new fans uh, to Formula One, I don't like imagine if that happened this year, say Hamilton wins the championship and he just announces five days after that he's he's retiring, like social media would implode. Yeah, <laughs> it would that just was, be crazy. That was truly one of the most insane things. Uh, to ever happen and yeah I can't imagine what it was like for you what were you like actually during that finale because obviously that was the one where Hamilton backed him up into the pack I bet you were so nervous because I was I was nervous watching that um just generally and uh imagine as a big Nico Rosberg fan it was quite quite something (laughs) it was so way back when um I used to work at a receptionist, uh, as a receptionist for a hair salon um, while I was doing all my motorsport stuff as like a side hobby. And I was rotated down to work that Sunday and I was furious about it. I didn't expect it to go down to the last race, to be honest. I I'm, I'm feel bad. I didn't have, have faith in Rosberg and it going that far. So I was r- rotated to work and I watched the race on my phone behind the desk and had to like put it away every time a client came in or whatever. And then was on my own just in this hair salon crying after he'd won the <laughs> after he'd won the title. And I was like, oh my God, I hope nobody comes in. And it was just like the most surreal experience because I've been supporting him for so long. And then to watch him make history and I was just in this stupid hair salon. Um, And then was also at work when um, he announced his retirement and my phone was just going like, bing, 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 bing. And I was thinking, what on earth is going on? And it's all, all my friends were like, oh my God, have you seen Nico's news? And that was just like really, really strange. Yeah, Um, I remember watching that when... Uh, I would have been working at the time uh, with Jess and Matt, I think it would have been. And we were watching the, it was the gala, wasn't it? Uh, it was yeah. kind of a pre, yeah, it, it was, it was before the, the gala. It was on like a Facebook live thing. And <laughs> it was so random that he cut, it was like, wait, did he just say what I think he did? And you mm. could, you, it wasn't like a, I can't remember the exact words, but he he wasn't like, I'm retiring. He just said something like, you know, I've achieved everything I want to, and sometimes you need to know when to go or whatever. Uh, and you could just tell everyone was like, wait, is he, did, did he just announce that he's retiring from Formula One? And obviously the office went into absolute 
panic stations like can't believe that this has just happened this is one of the craziest things ever like you say imagine imagine it now now you know social media is so much bigger and uh, drive to survive and all that. I'd be absolutely drive to survive, bonkers. like sliding Hamilton and Verstappen, like some money across the table to be like, please just just top the season off by <laughs> retiring. It's actually mad. Um, but yeah, like we say, go into the finale tied on points. Only ever happened once before in 1974. So this really is like crazy, crazy territory. It's not like this happens every year. Um, and to make things. A little bit more exciting, Abu Dhabi, the circuit, the Yas Marina circuit, has also had some changes made to it, which um, I'm certainly excited about because along with Spain and normally Sochi and Paul Ricard, Abu Dhabi is thrown into that group of circuits which don't often produce crazy racing. It's normally very processional, quite boring. It's a very flat track, isn't it? Um, But they've they've changed up some things which is good uh they've eliminated the chicane and widened the hairpin at turn seven removed the four sharp corners at turns 11 12 13 and 14 to be replaced by one long banked turn and opened up the radius of four corners from turns 17 to 20 to create a fast flowing section of track now i know saying that on a podcast you might be like katie that doesn't really mean much because i can't picture it in my head but um maybe after this have a look at the changes online or something like that but do you think that these changes are going to make for more exciting racing tommy or is it just they're just changing it to keep people happy well it's definitely better we uh, i joked on twitter today actually you probably some people may have seen it that our thumbnail for the last uh abu dhabi grand prix review which last year from what i remember was incredibly dull as pretty much always is with abu dhabi um the thumbnail was you know a picture of no chicane go straight on and uh and take the the hairpin straight away and for me that's the biggest change that should have been done ages and ages ago everyone knew it and they've finally done it so i think yes that for for one will help massively because Chicanes, as we know from Barcelona, the Barcelona chicane is probably the worst corner corner complex in Formula One because it means that they you know can't overtake. So the more you get rid of stuff like that, the better. Um, and then yeah, towards the end of the lap, having quicker corners, this should be easier to follow. Like should be easier to follow a bit better. The the ninety degree turns, which is you know classic, like the final sector is very Sochi like with the ninety degree turns um that make it so hard to follow onto the main straight so they've opened them up a bit but it's funny that you said abu dhabi along with barcelona paul ricard <laughs> yeah. and sochi and they've been three of the best races this season so um yeah you never know abu dhabi could even deliver but you never know it really has been a crazy crazy season like you say with paul ricard and sochi actually providing exciting races there really is no like you can't say it's going to be a dull race because it could be absolutely mental and hopefully will be because there is literally a championship (laughs) to decide 
Um, right, so we asked you guys on social media for some questions. Uh, so I have one here from at B. Leesberg, who says, do you guys think, uh, or who do you guys think will benefit the most from changes to the track? Oh my goodness, <laughs> sorry about that. It tends to be a Mercedes track, but as we have seen this year, there aren't any Mercedes or Red Bull tracks anymore. This is very true. I mean, there've been so many examples. Paul Ricard, as we've mentioned plenty of times already this podcast, normally a Mercedes track, Red Bull went to it and won. Same with uh, Mexico. That's a Red Bull track and Mercedes got a one-two there. So, uh, Tommy, what do you think? Do you think this is going to favour Mercedes or the Red Bull or are you as clueless as the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were. Well, again, this is just a prediction because... Uh, like uh, B. Leesberg has said, uh, doesn't seem to be a Mercedes or Red Bull track anymore. You know, we all thought um, Mercedes were in Cota easily and Red Bull won it and equally Brazil as well. Uh, Lewis won it easily and that was meant to be the Red Bull and Verstappen track. So, yeah, I for me, I feel like definitely last, last year, obviously Max won, but that was... Um, well, firstly, Hamilton was recovering from COVID, uh, not not very long after. Obviously, he missed the race before. Um, and they had wrapped up the title. So not saying they just gave it to Max. Obviously, you know, Max drove an incredible race and, uh, you know, deserved to win it. Um, but it's hard to read too much into that. That being said, um, I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, this track should suit the red bull but then i guess the worrying side for red bull that even if it suits the red bull you've got to say that the the if you're just looking at from the changes getting rid of slower corners which is red bull's stronghold you know winning monaco and that that kind of thing and replacing them with straights <laughs> and fast uh fast corners is very much mercedes territory so who knows i mean it's it's one of those things for me it's it's really hard to see past the fact that the mercedes have been so dominant the last few races i saw a very worrying thing where people were saying that um after after jeddah apparently uh, hamilton was losing four tenths with that damaged front wing and he set three fastest laps so that's pretty it's <laughs> pretty ominous um but when has this season ever been normal? Exactly. We'll have when to wait and see. Ever been predictable. I really no. hope they're close though. I mean, that's what we want to see. It would be such an anticlimax if one of whoever, like, you know, even if it's Red Bull, uh, Mercedes can't keep up with Red Bull or Red Bull can't keep up with Mercedes. You want them to be close and you want a, a proper battle. It'd be such a shame if it is just like a Mercedes walkover and Red Bull have no answer and it's just ends that way. Be a shame. Yeah, no, like you are. I want to see them go wheel to wheel being fair. Mind you, I don't know if my heart rate will be able to take the wheel to wheel stuff. I say <laughs> no. that now before we've actually raced there and then it'll come to Sunday and I'll be like, I just want it to be really easy and like <laughs> no drama. Um, but yeah, I completely echo what you were saying about removing the slower corners, because as you say, that benefits Red Bull hugely. So uh, if I was to take a punt, I would say that the changes are probably going to favor Mercedes uh, over Red Bull. Um, but 
as we've said, this season has just got the rule book. It's torn it up. It's set it on fire. It's launched it into space and it's come back again. And it's still like just all over the place. There's yeah. really no <laughs> definitive answer for these kind of questions anymore of what track is going to suit which car. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously we might get a little taste of who who's better there from practice and obviously in qualifying and such, but um, both cars I'm assuming are going to be pretty speedy around there. And, uh, like you say, hopefully it will, uh, provide us with some entertaining action. And it's not just a bit of a snore fest for the final race of the season, which is one of the characteristics that's normally associated with the Abu Dhabi track. Um, right. Onto another question at Dami underscore Willis asks, do you think Mercedes would opt for a new engine or even Red Bull really? Um, personally, I can't see them risking any kind of grid place penalties. Um, they might be slightly concerned if the engine's too old. Obviously, the one that I'm guessing Hamilton is bringing this spicy Brazil engine, as it's been coined, uh, which he used in Brazil and then in Saudi. And I'm guessing he's going to have that in the back of his car for Abu Dhabi. Um, but for him, you know, three races on a on a new engine that's not really that long at all. Um, there might be some concerns with, with Max, obviously during the Saudi race, he radioed that he had a few power issues, which, uh, his team just, you know, reassured him and said, it's only just the battery. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess there could be some worry because if the drivers are going to do their part, the next thing is, is the actual machine that's underneath them going to be able to, to survive it? Because with Formula One, it is such a blend of man and machine, isn't it? It's not like tennis or whatever, where you can just rely on yourself. And uh, as long as, you know, you have control of it, it normally works out pretty well. There's a huge part of the, the battle that is not in your hands, essentially. It's down to the mechanics and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure there will be some worry going into it about reliability, but if you were Toto Wolf or Christian Horner, would you want to be putting a new power unit in the back of your guy's car? Absolutely not. I think, <laughs> I think, I think there's a 0% chance that they're going to, unless they absolutely have to, even, so, yeah, so Red Bull, I can't see them doing it unless, you know, it is literally the the engine's not going to make <laughs> make the finish. And then even the advantage that Hamilton got in Brazil, it's a very risky strategy to um, not go for track position, particularly at Abu Dhabi of all tracks. Mm, you know, yeah. regardless of how much of a rocket ship that engine would be if they put a new one, and there's no doubt in my mind if they did put a new engine in, Hamilton would breeze through the field and, yeah, probably would be able to win because his engine was absolutely... Like the Mercedes like a fresh Mercedes power unit is ridiculous, but a track like Abu Dhabi, it's a risk. And then, you know, you've got, you've got the, the risk of him being back in the pack at the start and all this kind of stuff. So for me, I can't see it at all. You've got to think that, um, track position is everything. And even, uh, I saw this question, people even saying, you know, could they do it with, um, Perez and Bottas again? No, they want them in the mix. Like, Mercedes, yes, they could put a new engine in Bottas, but car, but like at the end of the day, they want him in front of Max. And 
if you look at Mercedes pace recently, yeah, he might end up in front of Max. Why would you want him to start seventh, even if he had a quick engine? And we know that Bottas is not exactly the greatest driver coming through the pack either. So what um, could you possibly mean? (laughs) (laughs) So I can't, I can't see engines being worth it or even coming into it unless it's a fundamental problem, but hopefully not. Let's hope not. Yeah. And let's um, maybe divert from the scheduled script that we've got a little bit, because for Valtteri Bottas, this is going to be his last race for Mercedes. Um, how do you think he's going to look back upon his time with the team? Do you think it's going to be with fond memories or do you think he's probably going to be like, do you know, it's the right time for me to leave? Because it, it seems to get a little bit toxic, especially this year with the suggestion that George Russell was going to sort of naturally progress into that team. Um, certainly from an outsider's perspective, um, it, it seemed like he knew it was inevitable that he wouldn't be staying there and, and that whole relationship has sort of crumbled a bit. I guess mainly since Turkey last year, I think if I had to pinpoint a point in his his, his Formula One career where it sort of all seemed to start not looking not looking too great like he was yeah. staying, I would say it was probably Turkey last year. But what do you think? Yeah, it's it, it does feel like that way that it was, yeah, at the start of the the start of the year, Bottas was pretty woeful and it was it was known that. I mean, it's been clear that his mindset uh, is a lot to do with his his racing. Like he wasn't, I think he's admitted himself, he wasn't in a particularly great place. And that was, you know, causing a lot of a lot of issues with his with his driving as well. And, you know, he's improved a lot since he's got this alpha deal. And and to be fair, it does seem like they've got this that they're, they're ending on good terms, I feel. Him, him and Bottas and Bottas is obviously going to uh, have won uh, the constructors title every year which you could say <laughs> is not particularly a massive achievement when you're in a Mercedes that like it's the minimum you kind of expect them winning the Mercedes but it is still an achievement at the end of the day you know he's and he's won some races but yeah it's time for a, a new challenge for him so I think he's deep down is pretty happy about it and uh, you know when he's when he's uh, in an Alfa Romeo and maybe not anywhere near the front, you might be a little bit uh, miffed that he's not not in a top car. But then, you know, equally when you are in a top car and Lewis Hamilton's your teammate, um, you've not got <laughs> not got huge chances to win either. So, for for obvious like both reasons, <laughs> one he's really good, and two you're going to have to let him by uh, in the championship. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Bottas, obviously, we've been slightly critical. And I think some of the criticism has been deserved because his performance yeah. hasn't been up to scratch. I don't think it's, you know, finishing second and we're like, oh, for God's sake, Bottas, you should be winning every single race. Because like you say, he's partnered with Lewis Hamilton. That's like, if I was to suddenly join Formula One next year, which is a bit of a stretch, <laughs> um, the last person I'd want to be partnered with is probably Hamilton or maybe Verstappen. But then... Yeah. At least if you got partnered with a staff and you know you'd probably be out in like two minutes if you weren't performing with the way that they are. So, um, but yeah, hopefully he has a, a better time being the definite number one driver at Alpha um, and taking that role, role on because he did so well with that at Williams. Um, right. Another question from at Royd Balls asks, will the stewards enforce the rules this week or will they let them race? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> the stewards seem to just 
change their mind every flipping minute of the yeah. race. It's just, oh, I, I hope for the sake of the championship and the fact that we've got an annual to submit as soon as the checkered flag flies, which by the way, guys, if you haven't got the WTF1 <laughs> annual, um, I have been working very hard on that and I would appreciate it and love you forever if you were to check it out and buy yourself a copy for Christmas because do you know what? You deserve it. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that everything, if there is any tussle or issues on track that it's dealt with there and then in those laps and not afterwards there's no court hearing in two weeks where somebody gets disqualified or somebody gets demoted so many places or anything I just for the sake of my mental health and I think everybody watching would just appreciate it if the stewards could if they have to enforce a penalty or any kind of things like that that they do it fairly and within the race however they're not giving they're not giving (laughs) out penalties unless they crash in my opinion i think i think they're going to be that that toto wolf meme where his masks over his face um, oh yeah (laughs) because because they have shown all year that they don't want to get involved and they don't want to make these decisions um that are unpopular so yeah i can't I would be very surprised if we saw uh, any kind of penalties unless, obviously, uh, worst case scenario, there is a crash and then they obviously would have to do something about it. Um, But, you know, if they are just banging wheels and running each other wide, I think they'll just be like, well, at the end of the day, it's a championship on the line. Um, And they'll let them go for it. Exactly. The last thing any of these stewards want is to be held accountable by 10 billion Verstappen fans. That's, that's a lot of people because I don't think there's even 10 billion people in the world. But um, well, both sets of fans on, on Twitter well, yeah, are very true. vocal. So, um, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're not going to be popular either way. Exactly. Let it get decided on track, which hopefully will not age badly. But anyway, going into this weekend then, there are a few other talking points. McLaren have revealed another, another one, another one-off livery, which isn't quite as dramatic as the golf livery, which I just love that golf livery so much. I I just, I get emotional thinking about it. I just love it. But instead they've gone for one, which is... um, in partnership with Views, I think is how it's pronounced, which uh, is one of their sponsors. And it's very rainbowy and arty. And I'll be honest, when I first saw the uh, the pictures online, they've they've put it against a background that also was orange. So orange car on orange with loads of blues and purples. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's hideous. It's so garish. But actually seeing it in a studio setting, it's... Not the worst thing in the world. It's better than the flipping ugly green they had on the back of the Alpine last weekend. So um <laughs> gotta be better than that. But yeah. do you like the new livery look? I do a lot actually. Um I'm trying to find the name of the artist. Frabab Tan to why. I'm sorry, I've butchered that completely, but um yeah, uh I believe a Middle Eastern artist that's yeah, done that's right. done this. Yeah, yeah, UAE-based artist, and she's come up with this design. And like you say, when I first saw the uh, things, I was like, "Oh, that with, with the background, it's a bit mm, too much bit- um, because it's got the art in the background and the car, and you can't really see the livery." But I personally really like it when you uh, see it up close. And um, 
do I prefer it to the Gulf? No, but I'd rather see it than the Gulf because I'd, I'd, I'm probably the only person that doesn't want to see the Gulf full time because there's too many blue cars in Formula One as it is. Um, That's so, true. Okay, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> Um, and then another very exciting talking point is lovely Jack Aitken, who is friend of the WTF1 podcast and things. He is going to be doing an FP1 session uh, this weekend, which is very exciting. I can't believe it has been over a year since he made his F1 debut at that Secure GP. Um, but that will be great for Jack because, um, for those of you listening, you might know, he uh, has been... In the wars a little bit, he was involved in a, in a crash at Spa Franco Champ a few months ago. Had to have um, a brace and a, his arm in a sling. Um, nasty, nasty uh, accident. But he is well. He is recovered, and now the lucky thing is being able to get back behind the wheel of an F1 car, which we're very excited for him, aren't we? Yeah, very. I, we obviously he was at our team WTF1 track day. Came along. He was obviously still in a in a brace then but he you know said to us that that he he was I think he was a little bit worried that he wouldn't recover in time for this but it's amazing that he managed to you know recover in time because you know driving a Formula One car I mean it's it's incredible and I can't believe yeah it's been a year since that crazy Sakir race but it'd be nice to see him in that car now the Williams is not just far and away the worst car by a country mile as well (laughs) Um, so it'd be nice for him to, you know, do a, do a session with a bit more of a competitive car as well. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing him back on track. And obviously it's great as well that he's, he's come back from such a horrific, uh, and very worrying incident. So yeah, it's great to see him back and we'll be cheering him on in FP1. The biggest fans I'll get a little flag and yeah. wave it. Hashtag Team Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And uh, I suppose one of the other big stories going into this weekend is that it is the last race for dear old Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, He is hanging up the racing gloves and steering steering wheel and helmet and all that jazz. Um, And yeah, this is going to be his last race in in Abu Dhabi. Are you you going to be sad to see him go? (laughs) That, That pan went way over your head then, didn't it? Gloves and steering wheel. Oh, um, <laughs> give me my steering wheel. Um, yeah, uh, it's it, it's definitely strange because it. I, I always find it odd when you've got these these drivers that are obviously like legends, and to me, like my brain, Kimi Raikkonen, like golden era Kimi Raikkonen is McLaren, which is so long ago now, like <laughs> fifteen years ago, um, and unfortunately, you know, we've just he's not really in a decent car and he's just kind of in the midfield and not not that you forget about him completely obviously he has his moments (laughs) he has his moments and you know still provides humor on team radio and I guess he had that amazing um first lap at Portimao where he took about 15 cars or whatever it was and that was um, that was really cool um but yeah uh his last race uh going to be slightly overshadowed by um a certain title battle uh, that no one's talking about at all. Um, but yeah, uh, it'd be sad to see him go. Uh, but I think it's the right time for him to go at the end of the day. He's been in Formula One a very long time. And, um, you know, he is in a 
not so great car and his his best there's no yeah there's no doubt that his best years are behind him so i wonder if we'll get a uh alonso style guard of honor but instead of Kimmy going to do donuts he just pulls into the pits and walks off because that would be more him wouldn't it <laughs> it would oh somebody needs to somehow give him like an ice cream or something funny like that at the end because that would just be the perfect send-off because I can't imagine Kimmy is going to be coming back and doing punditry for example no. I think he'll have to drag him kicking and screaming if he's going to do anything like that so I genuinely don't know when we're going to see Kimmy again after this weekend I mean, even when he was off with COVID this year, they were like, so did you watch the races? And he's like, well, I got the first five minutes and turned it off or something. And it's like, <laughs> when, uh, when are we going to see him again? Well, one of Kimmy's legendary and famous moments was when it was Michael Schumacher's last not, oh, yeah. in, last race in inverted commas, obviously he came back, but there was that presentation. Yeah. He obviously missed it because he was uh, going to the toilet, <laughs> it, uh, more, uh, more PG version of what he said to Martin Brundle. Um, maybe they do that again. They do a big presentation for him, but he just goes off to the toilet and misses it. That would be the perfect way to do it, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be so perfect. Oh, gosh. We need to make this happen. I don't know how. We're not in Abu Dhabi, but we'll try and okay. do something. If we'll not, get, we'll have to do a little yeah. tribute at the end just of the Just ring up your best friend, Michael Massey, and ask oh, him yeah. to sort it out. Yeah. Hi, babes. How's it going? <laughs> I've got <laughs> <Me> a <favor>. again. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, oh, God. That is sarcasm, by the way. I don't have Michael Massey's phone number and we're not best friends in case you <laughs> hadn't figured out that. Uh, I feel like I always have to clarify now with my sarcasm because some people do take it a bit too, li- a bit too literally. Um, and yeah, as well, Giovinazzi has got his last F1 race. Can't see him coming back, to be honest. He's yeah. off to Formula E, which normally I'd be like, yeah, Formula E. Obviously, that's where I... Um, I spent a lot of my time before joining WTF1 and I do have a soft spot for Formula E, but he's also joining like the worst team on the grid. So I cannot see Giovinazzi lasting more than a few months there before he goes off to IndyCar or something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah be, be sad to see Italian Jesus go. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that probably sums it up for this podcast, a little, another cheeky little audio only midweek podcast. And um Tommy, we will speak again very soon for the... Yeah, I'm sure we'll do one on Friday, maybe after the first few practices, and then we can, well, then we'll have a bit more of an idea of uh, who's better around this track and maybe like answer some more of your questions, even though we ask, uh, every time we ask questions now, it's just, will Verstappen crash into Hamilton? And that's like 99% of questions, and I have to just filter through to find anything but that. <laughs> Get your mystic glass ball out and predict the future. Mystic Meg over there. Um, But no, thank you very much, Tommy, for your company for this audio only podcast. As ever, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review if you enjoyed it. Uh, Same thing for Spotify. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And uh, as we said, we will see you very soon for another WTF1 podcast episode where hopefully Matt will also be joining us. Indeed. See you later. Bye. Goodbye.